Again, that's the gospel according to Luke, 13th chapter, verses 1 through 9. Hear ye the word of the Lord. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered this way that they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told a par- this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. Amen. You may be seated. So for those who may not know, I just got back into town last night. I had to uh, provide the homegoing service for my aunt in Illinois. And uh, yes, we uh, had the service yesterday and I came back today. Uh, While I was down there, I was dealing with uh, quite a few things. Uh, My family is full of a lot of pastors and ministers and it was a, a bit of a challenge you know, having to officiate the service uh, and dealing with uh, some of my other pastor family members. Just to put it plainly, I was dealing with a bunch of bad thinking. Bad thinking about my Aunt Titi and bad thinking about how people were supposed to handle the situation. You had some people there, not just the pastors in my family, or the pastors that were sent by other pastors in my family, uh, just people in general thinking that Aunt Titi had died for some bad reason, that God had caused her death. And not only did God cause her death, that we as believers were not supposed to question anything or get angry about it, or we couldn't question God. This was his will that Aunt Titi died had to deal with a lot of bad thinking. This theology, this thought about stuff that God does things to people because they're bad. It's nothing new. Uh, That kind of thinking is not only prevalent in my family, but there are theologians and preachers all over the world that think this way. There were people who thought that there was something wrong with the people at Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, figuring out that must have been the reason that they got shot, saying that they didn't have proper discernment or right relationship with God. There were people that thought that when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, that 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 city was a cesspool of sin and God was giving judgment to them. There were people that thought that 
when Hurricane Ike hit here, like there was something wrong with Galveston in the Houston area, that God was punishing them for something or cleaning that out. They all think this, that God is looking down from above and, oh, you have sinned, so I'm going to bring calamity your way. Oh, you have sinned, so your family members got to die. Oh, you have sinned, so here comes a flood. They're thinking that God is the cause of all of these things. But they're not just the only people that thought that way. The people thought that in the text here that Jesus was talking to in the 13th chapter of the gospel according to Luke. They were telling him about these people in Galilee. And it says, it's, it's very poetic, it says that uh, 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 at the, some, there were some present who told him that the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. They kind of made it nice, but what, what actually happened is that these people were killed while they were performing a worship ritual. And so their blood got mixed with the sacrifice's blood because he came in and killed them. So they were thinking that. And to think that disaster happens and disaster is your fault is not new because not only did the, Gal- the people think that about the Galileans, they thought that in Job. Uh, Job, it actually says around chapter 4, one of them says, who perishes while doing good? And then it, it also happens in the, not only in Old Testament thinking but in New Testament thinking because I'm reminded of John 9 when they saw the man that had been blind since birth and the disciples asked, who sinned? Him or his parents, because there were natural consequences, then there, because there are natural consequences for natural actions, we tend to think that there must be supernatural consequences for natural actions. And so they thought about not only the Galileans getting their blood spilled while they were trying to perform a ritual of worship, but he also talks about the Tower of Siloam. Siloam was a pool area, that same pool that that man that was born blind was in, and Jesus took the mud and put it on his eyes to worship. This is also the place, since we were talking about this in in, uh, Sunday school this morning, that's also where they uh, had celebrations for the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles as well. Scholars have attributed the, the Tower of Siloam as well to a place that's mentioned in both 2 Kings and Isaiah. It was a pretty popular place. But the people thought that they were offenders. And they thought that they were so bad of offenders that something happened to them and they died. And then Jesus brings up this issue of the fig tree. The fig tree had been established. It says there had been a fig tree, past tense. And it says that the fig tree had been there for at least three years. So it had taken up considerable resources. Land is one of the only things that I hear real estate uh, agents say. Land is the only thing that they're not making more of. So it's considerable resources taken care of. And this fig tree had not been producing. It stopped. And it was taking up resources. And the owner was ready to cut it down. Was tired of spending his time and his space on this fig tree. Because it could have been used for something else. It needed to go. But Jesus is there and he explains to us. He gets straight to the point of the matter. Letting us know that death, or life rather, is uncertain. And death comes suddenly 
but the judgment is inevitable. The Galileans are sinners. There's no way around that. We, we've kind of made that a little different. We've gotten into a, a, a bit of a theology and moved past sin, but they were sinners, but they were no worse sinners than anybody else. The people who died at the Tower of Salaam or Salome were not worse than anybody else. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, but that doesn't make one sin bigger than the other. There's no space or special place for the Galileans because they did something that other people thought worse. It just happened. Sometimes bad things happen and sometimes you don't get a, a, a way to explain what happened. And John the Baptist says earlier in the gospel, according to Luke, that the axe is at the root, ready to cut down any tree that does not produce fruit. But Jesus comes along with his parable and says to give the fig tree another year. Says to give the fig tree another chance. One more year, one more chance. You see, a vineyard was fertile soil. And the, the three years that it had been around, that's long enough for a tree to be established. It's long enough for a tree to be grown. It's long enough for it to have lived a life and start producing fruit. Land was so precious that you could not waste time on fruit you couldn't, or on something that was not producing fruit. Amen? And just like that land was precious, so is our time. The time is precious. What are we doing with our time? Are we putting our time into things that produce fruit? Or are we putting our time into things that get destroyed? God is showing us patience. The owner was showing the fig tree, the fig tree patience by giving it another year. Just like God is giving us mercy and grace and enough time to repent. While there is still time, death is left up to chance. But we are capable of doing as much as we can for as long as we can while we are still on this earth. What would you do if you knew you had another chance for opportunity? What would you do if you had another chance to uh, capitalize on a missed opportunity? They, the adage says that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. But the second best time to plant a tree is now. So we're in our other year. We, should, we ought to take that time that we have. What can we do with that time to produce our fruit? There is no time like the present to repent. God gives us grace and mercy. God is not out here arbitrarily punishing people for their sins. If God was sending tidal waves and calamity and all of this stuff to punish people for their sins, there'd be nobody else left on the earth. The very first flood would have wiped us all out. And he had to start over again and again and again and again. God is not arbitrarily handing out these punishments. God loves us. God keeps us. God knows the number of hairs that are on our head. He's never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Jesus even said to look at the sparrows. They don't worry about what they're going to eat from day to day. And if he cares that much for the sparrows, he ought to care that much for us. 
We can't go for this low-hanging fruit that thinks that people are, are being punished for actions that are up to chance. We ought to be better than that. And so I had to address some of that even from the pulpit at my, grand, at my uh, aunt's home-going service. God loves us. God can handle our questions. God can handle our attitude. God is not going to be offended at us being mad at the grief or grieving of a lost one. And God is not going to send some punishment some way because he thinks we are questioning him. God loves us. God loves us. We may be at the end of our rope. We may have our back against the wall. We may have some calamities in life, but God loves us. God loves all of us and grieves with us in our time of trouble. God is here to support us. The Bible says that God's mercy, God's love is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures for all generations. The Bible goes on to say, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is through Christ Jesus our Lord. He loves us and won't send those bad things our way. He loved us so much that he went to Calvary. He loved us so much that he took a beating. He loved us so much that he came to save a wretch like you and me. He loved us. He loved us so much that that is not where the story ends. He loved us so much that when he died, he cat up three days later. He loved us so much that he's coming back again. And because he loves us, we can get through these calamities that we face. We can get through these trying times and we can keep stepping forward. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.